0: Media Insultants for the week of March eighth, and greetings to all of you media freaks who love to tune us in and figure out what we are talking about this week. And we do have our opinions on almost anything media this week. Is Clubhouse just another time sink for social media? We take another look at the final iHeart financials for twenty twenty. And the gangster thug of music rights is back beating up on radio stations for a big 20% increase. We're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But first, our sports fan, my co-host, Mr. Keith Samuels, who sits on the other side of the desk from me, right now has a breaking news story about KJR Seattle, one of the original sports radio stations, that has just signed a deal to handle the play-by-play for the Kraken, uh, and the new uh, NHL team that's coming to Seattle. So, Keith? Tell me what you know. Well, I, I don't know much other than what the trades are saying, but I have
1: some suspicions in the background because uh, this is a, this is a, a you know, got, got major headlines in the trades last week. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal. It's the the Kraken have signed with KJR. It's an historic agreement. And uh, your friend Mark Lynn, the market manager, was going, it's just been an amazing pleasure to work with Tim Laiwiki and his team at, uh, what is it called? Oak View Group, which is the uh, the new group that Tim Leitwicki runs uh, that owns the arena, I guess now and uh, the uh, Climate Pledge Arena, and and also the Kraken. And uh, knowing Lywicki, uh you you're you know you might get an NBA franchise back. You know you never know. So uh, that could all be good news. But uh, just nice to know that the old Key Arena and that little spot of Lower Queen Anne is going to be well, once your governor lets people go to games, it will be like a hub of, of activity like it used to be back in the day when that's where you got to see the Sonics play and that's where you got to see every major concert. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a big deal. You know, it's interesting though, um, when you think about Tim Laiwiki and the connections that, that iHeart and before them Clear Channel had with him here in LA. So the guy running the station group for iHeart right now is Greg Ashlock. And Greg Ashlock just happened to be running the LA Clear Channel cluster back when AEG, headed by Tim Laiwicki, built and finished LA Live, which is, and Staples Center, which you've all seen many times on television Laker games, Kings games, the Grammys, and uh, all sorts of other events that, that, you know, and that was Tim Laiwicki's realm. That was his empire uh, on behalf of Phil Anschutz and AEG. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some leveraging of an old relationship that Greg had with uh, Tim Laiwiki to make sure that his man in Seattle, Mark Glynn, got this deal. Uh, the question is, there's no financial information out there yet. So is this a, we're, we're partnering for prop- promotional trade and a lot of hospitality stuff with iHeart with or is iHeart paying a rights fee for the Kraken? I kind of doubt that. So, um, you know, be interested to, to see, and we we'll, I'll keep researching to find out what, uh, how this deal came together and what the, uh, what the financials are on it. But I suspect they're getting paid to clear the games, and in return for that privilege, they're going to run a ton of promo stuff for all the games and all of the concert events that make sense for their formatted station.
0: So, we'll see what happens going forward. But it's a big deal for the Kraken. Well, the truth is, is that the only other team, excuse me, the only other station that could have vied for that right would have been Bonneville with Cairo AM, ESPN 710. The problem is, is that Bonneville doesn't have any promo- co-promotional stations iHeart's got another th- four or five stations they can promote. Plus, they are a much stronger national group and can do cross-promotion and, and, and the iHeart app and all of that stuff. But frankly, and Bonneville's a really well-run small group, but the truth is they, they can't even compete on something like this if they wanted to. And, yeah, so- and, some, of the, and some of the games are going to be carried on KJR fm I guess that's, is that Jack? No, it's um, on uh, it's on ninety six point five Jack FM. Yeah, KJR yeah. FM is not going to carry it, but Jack is going. Jack to- FM will carry it, and that's that's the old KXRX frequency. Interestingly enough,
1: it um, is. But uh, for those of you historians in the in the crowd, but this is this this is exactly the kind of, of relationship that Greg Ashlock forged with Lai back in the day. Although that required a significant uh, rights fee to, to secure the rights to the Lakers. But the Lakers were separate from Anschutz and AEG, okay? That was the Bus family. That wasn't Tim Laiwiki. Tim Laiwiki only had the concerts and the Kings, but he had the venue and the hospitality and, and, and all of that. So, um, you know, uh, they were into it for a couple of suites. They were into it for uh, uh, some courtside seats. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. I wouldn't be surprised if that relationship was activated by Ashlock to help, um, help Mark Glynn and his team here get that deal done even though it makes perfect sense anyway because of all the other formatted stations they
0: can cross-promote with. Well, I think the other thing, and you and I have talked about this, that is really worth addressing at some point on Media Insultant is really how are these sports deals coming together? They, they are so different than they were. Uh, you know, the, the word on the street is KNBR in San Francisco is paying $10 million a year for the rights to the Giants, and they're billing less than nine. So, you know, how long does that, you know, that go on? And so we've got, well, we'll take a look at some of those deals coming up as, as we get back into renegotiated sports rights. Uh, One of the things that we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks is what's going to happen on the TV side. Amazon now is jumping in and bidding on Thursday night sports. And the buzz is they're going to go to $1.1, $1.2 billion for Thursday night sports rights. And I think Fox is going, okay, we'll just hang on Sunday. Because the, the price is getting so expensive for everybody and there's no money left in it.
1: Yeah, well, and it was, uh, I think it's NBC that has Thursday and Sunday nights. Uh, and then Fox and CBS uh, have um, uh, the, the other games, you know, whatever happens on Saturdays and whatever, and mostly the Sunday games. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, well, you know, and it's kind of like you've got these billionaires who can now outbid and these amazing money machines that are, these, uh, are the Amazons and the, the Googles can they, they could outbid anybody on this stuff just to, just to play with it just to have it you know just to be uh, just to be part of it so um, you know check around nose around uh, because you know uh, last last uh, back in the day ESPN radio was paying the lakers uh 15 16 million after iheart walked away from the table because it just got the numbers just didn't make any sense anymore uh, and and that's a radio station that that doesn't doesn't bill that at all so right. it's not even close and so we'll you know it's going to be an interesting play to see what happens on the radio side because it's almost
0: an afterthought for these teams it's all about the television money yes it is that's right so speaking of iheart uh, they are now describing themselves as a synergistic full stack audio media company that's what their latest uh, financials uh, or their earnings report is describing the company as so how did they do uh, how was 2020 for them compared to all the other radio groups well, pretty much the, pretty
1: much the same. A lot of these groups are are you know down 20, down 30, down 20 something. you know it was it was a it was a it was an awful year, obviously, an epically bad year um, that hopefully you know we won't see again. But I think that you know that the, what they're all trying to push is but sequentially, we were much better, you know, in fourth quarter than we were in third quarter. And third quarter was much better than we were in second quarter. Well, guess what? You were out of business in the second quarter. <laughs> you could get a little bit of business in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, if it wasn't for political, where would you be? And, uh, uh, and, and how's it going now? And so what we're seeing is this, you know, this, uh, the, the, you know I think uh, Q4 was down 9% for, uh, for iHeart. Uh, but digital was up 53. You know, it was down. I think 24 uh, percent for the full year without political, down 20 for the full year with political. I, that's a disaster. I mean, that's absolute crushing uh, in terms of you know how you plan and how you. I mean, shoot, how do you how do you pay for your expense? What do you? No wonder there's all these layoffs. No wonder there's all this cutbacks. No wonder all the even more consolidation because they're not going to climb out of this very quickly.
0: Um, what do you think of uh, uh, you know? I mean, they're they're putting all of their hopes in iHeart uh, the app on the digital side of things, podcasting, and the iHeart app and programmatic tech stack ad placement systems. What do you think? Is that does that make up the difference for what they're going to lose on the radio side? You know, not even close. Um, as much as Bob Pittman would
1: like to say it, you know, as he sits up on the pillows of all his tech stack stuff, waxes uh, poetic about, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the full stack of, of technology that they've got. And they do. I mean, it's a great position. But in Q4, they did $936 million. $172 million were digital and streaming and podcasting, that whole pile, Okay. 172 million. Do you know how much they did in the radio and slash events? And events were out of business in Q4? They did 764 million. So that's 82% of their revenue comes from those 860 radio stations and all the events and promotions they're selling. So, right. guess what? Without the radio division, there is no digital. There's no digital content, there's no digital streaming, and there's a handful of podcasts. So, radio has got to succeed for a lot longer than you know next quarter to help pay for the digital playground that's been built and the problem with the programmatic side of buying and selling is they now there's some reports that say this isn't actually the truth but you know in reality it's a race to the bottom on rates there's you know how hard is it to raise rates programmatically versus you know raising rates on the iHeart Music Festival we're going to go out and get you know a lot more this year than we did last year kind of thing. So I, God, God bless Greg Ashlock and that radio group because they're the ones that are churning out the money to pay for all the toys.
0: And do you think this uh, 20% decline for iHeart? What do you think it portends for the entire radio business, for Cumulus, for Entercom, for all of these, these mid-sized and, and fairly large broadcast companies?
1: Well, you know, know, I heart I hearts the whale and all these other guys are kind of like pilot fish living off the living off the stuff uh, that's on the skin of the whale. So, you know, for iHeart to be down 20, everybody else obviously is down that and worse. Um, I think uh, rare is the are the, you know, the Salem's and maybe a town square might not be down that much. Uh, They're all down a bit, but not as bad. Um, because their businesses are structured somewhat differently, I think it affects everybody negatively. And certainly, when you talk about going after national dollars and trying to improve some of the national and network stuff that you want to you want to build up, if you're Cumulus and Westwood One, you know you want to you want to get national at Entercom, and you've got iHeart driving that ship, and they're going to take their cut first, even though they say they're fair. You know, they're going to they're going to they're going to they're going to be okay. We're also hearing uh, that, that first quarter looks down 20, you know, for a lot of these guys. This isn't over. And, and that, that'll be the last tough comp to make. Because remember, going into Q4, Q1 last year, the economy was screaming. We were coming into an election year, which was going to be the most, you know, most lavishly spent, you know, campaign funds in history, Olympics, all this stuff going on. Well, the Olympics didn't happen, but political did. And so it was roaring. The government shuts down the economy. And now we're going to see how it kind of leaks back to health again. It's trying to come back. And where it's open, it's coming back. You
0: know, it's just, it's just how long is that going to take? And I don't think anybody really knows yet. Well, the other question is, has the 20% decline going to be a permanent reset for radio? You know, we had that in in 2008, 2009, when the business fell by 25 or 30% because of the economy, and we've spent the last decade basically limping along at about that same level. We never really recovered. So then the question becomes, is it going to recover? And as we spoke last week, you know, a batch of those television buyers, 22% of television buyers that, that Gordon Burrell did a research piece on are not going to be buying TV next year. Yeah. Yeah. So we're seeing this. I think we'll see a reset on both radio and TV. But And, the, and, the, and there's a lot more inventory out there. So you know, trying to come back where
1: you've got all this OTT, you've got all these, po- you got two million podcasts, you've got, you know, everybody's streaming, you've got the subscription services. I, it's it's nuts out there. This isn't coming back in radio in like 2008. This is this is a whole different environment, uh, and I think the new normal. Well, the new normal. I think where we're going to see because it, remember, it's going to have to if once once we get into 2022 then being down 20 is actually being flat, you know? So, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we were down 20 in Q4 of 2020, but, in, but, you know, we're flat to that in 2021. Isn't that great? No, you're still down. So the comparisons are always going to go back to 2019. How did you do in 2021 compared to 19? How'd you do in 22 compared to 19? And that's where
0: they're going to really get crushed. So then on top of that, there's always something new to do. And the latest competitor or the latest entree to social media is uh, this thing called Clubhouse, which you and I have talked a little bit about, which I liken to listening in on conference calls. And uh, this is essentially an audio chat room where people can drop in and listen to people talking about different subjects. You know, I, I, I poked around on one this morning and uh, there was a session being held on kindness and grief. There was one on digital marketing services. There was an all day dreaming radio, which just seems to be dreamy music played on, you know, your phone. I, you know, I, I don't know, but anybody can set up a room. You can set up a room and, uh, and talk about gardening and people come in and they participate and uh, this thing that, that's uh, so extraordinary about it, of course, is the valuation on this company is over a billion dollars. Their last round, they raised $330 million. So my question is, is there a there there? How do you support something like this? Where's the money on a project like this in social media? And where's the time going to come from? Because it's going to be taken from something else, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's going to be taken from what they normally would be doing on their computer or their mobile device, and that is watching Netflix, or playing with Facebook, or um, Snapchatting, or TikToking, or you know all those things. You know, this is this is a this is this is da- more damaging to digital, I think, than it is to people that you know. Oh, I'm going to turn off the radio now. My favorite show's over with. I'm going to go jump in a clubhouse you know this this is this is for those people i think that really really enjoy this the, the micro conversations they get into on facebook and twitter it's so micro you know it's so i mean how many can you tell when you're in a room how many people are in it yeah oh yeah yeah so and remember the well, size of some of the in groups you a couple were... dropped
0: in on there are, you know there're 10 15 20 25 at the most maybe so it's a it's a very micro audience at this yeah, point. Yeah. But I,
1: but I also suspect that that's probably the typical audience for a podcast that at any given time there's probably 10 people listening to us. Well, <laughs> we hope. That would be a good day. But you know, yeah. but for the big ones, you know, it might be you know, you, it might be several 100,000 maybe. And that you can monetize. But there's no way to monetize 10 people in a gardening thing. Really? I mean, really? but you know what? Somebody's going to sell it. They're going to package it up and you can probably do it programmatically. I want to be on every gardening show, you know, the whole year and, uh, and I'll spend five bucks. I mean, you can do, you can do a program now. I think there was a deal that Gannett signed. They're going to resell Snapchat ads. Right. Right. And in the same article, they're talking about how the self-serve platform for Snapchat is designed to help local small businesses set up campaigns for as little as $5. You know, it's like, now I'm going to be a rate. I'm going to newspaper guy and I want to sell a thousand dollar full page ad or a $2,000, you know, back page, you know, whatever with the banners and everything else and digital. And I got to go to a small business guy and go and, and I what you know what? And I'll sell you some Snapchat stuff for 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, so and he'll be salesman of the month in Gannett, you know. Yeah, Keith sold twenty dollars worth of snap ads in in, you know, in
0: <sighs> in, in Joplin, <sighs> Missouri. Hmm. But the, the other the <laughs> other angle on it is is it's entirely feasible that what we're looking at with Clubhouse is they could find another model. You know, I'm becoming bigger and bigger on subscription models. You get 10, 20, 30 million people using Clubhouse and Two or three percent of them decide to pay for the privilege of, for example, uh, Ellen or um, Musk has. Uh, what's his first name? Ellen? Ellen? Elon. Elon. Thank you. Elon Musk has has, has hosted a, a clubhouse. Okay, so what would people pay to be on a clubhouse chat with Musk? You don't get that chance any other any other place that that I know of, at any rate. And so he's on stage and you can come in and you can ask him questions. You can get up on stage, the, the virtual stage and ask him questions. And think about it, being able to drop in on a cocktail party when those start up again and being able to say, yeah, I was chatting with uh, Elon Musk today. And, you know, there's so maybe there's a subscription model there that deals around personalities or specific groups that are really focused, really focused around a particular passion. You know, maybe there's somebody in knitting who could, you know, get a batch of people to pay them five bucks a month to come in and be able to chat whenever they want to. Yeah. So it well, may not I, be just but, an ad model. Yeah. But then again, you know, you've got you've got all those people doing stuff on YouTube. Okay. So you've
1: got all, you know, every every hobby and niche has got a YouTube channel and somebody's, show, you know, doing you know, subscribe and, you know, watch my next show. And then, you you know, there's some chat functions there, f- feedback functions. I mean, there's other stuff you can do, you know, it's just, it's just more and more and more. And I think we're just at this point where it's just, I've got to get into that game because the valuations are so freaking crazy, even though there's no money in it and there'll never be any money in it. And by the way, Elon Musk would be out of business if it wasn't for the government subsidies, you know, 7,500 bucks every time you buy a Tesla, you know, that's, that's a discount he doesn't have to take off, off his product. Of his sticker price. Government right? pays it. Plus, California adds on top of that. You know, the minute that went, if that ever went away, now it's probably not. But if it ever did, you know, you know what Tesla sales would do? Boom, boom. They turned off government subsidies in Ireland. And the next month, they sold no Teslas. None. <laughs> oh, so, you know, I get it. But it's just all about this valuation play. And it's madness but you know what? Gary Vee will have a clubhouse and there'll be a, there'll be a million guys sitting in there. Simon Sinek will have a clubhouse and all those guys will pay a buck to sit in there and rub shoulders with their favorite cult members and cult leaders. And Deepak Chopra will have a clubhouse and Tony Robbins will have a clubhouse. And
0: yeah, you're right. It'll probably be worth $2 billion by the time we talk about it again. <laughs> well, At least I know how you feel about it. Maybe we should start a clubhouse. I wonder what people would pay for us to have a clubhouse. (laughs) Let's not go there. I I don't want to test that one. (laughs) Okay, so Cox, which has long been known as a fabulous radio and TV group to work for, and that is true, uh, has had some changes lately with their ownership change. When Apollo came in and purchased Cox, they've had some shuffles, particularly on the radio side of things, where you get the feeling that radio is such an asterisk, such an afterthought for something the size of Apollo that maybe the culture is beginning to shift. And you and I've been talking about the fact that uh, Cox had a manager, Tim Clark, who is moving to Boston and managers move all the time. This is significant in another way. What was your observation on this move?
1: It, It came out of left field for me. I, you know, Tim is a long time, you know, program exec for Cox. And I mean, a long time, and he grew up as a baby programmer underneath the great Bob Neal, who was a, one of the greatest programmers of all time. When he and he was the group head at Cox, and you know he was the one one of the few programming group heads who who really got sales. I mean, you know he he understood both sides of the equation. And Tim was one of his proteges. I think. I mean, that, you know, I think Tim came up into Cox when Bob was still there, and and has been there you know, for, you know, probably 20, 25 years. So this is a longtime program exec under, in, in Cox. And all of a sudden he jumps to become a market manager in Boston for intercom. So not only does he not take a market manager job for Cox, he leaves the company. It's like, and, and to become a market manager, you know, I, I was scratching my head over that and thinking, well, did Rob Babbin go to him and say, you know, dude, you know, it's the Apollo thing and, you know, we've got to make some changes and, you know, I know it was great under Kim Guthrie and, you know, I know it was really good under Bill Hendrick and, you know, hopefully it'll be good under me, but you, you know, you might want to start looking because, you know, those Apollo guys, yeah, they're not going to pay for you again. Yeah. I don't think that was the case. I don't think that's, I think they could find a way to keep Tim. I think he got poached. I think Susan Larkin, who was another executive from Cox a market, very terrific market manager for Cox. She got poached by Weezy. So Weezy and David snag her, they move her to San Francisco. She runs the cluster in San Francisco. Then they make her, you know, second to Weezy. And then now she is Weezy. She's taken over, Weezy's retired. So, uh, you know, Susan Larkin's going, hmm, who do I, con- oh, I, need a, I need a great programming head to run Boston. I know just the guy. Hello, Tim. How's that Apollo thing working out? How are those three group heads you've had in the last year and a half? How's that working <laughs> out, buddy? Well, let's put the band back together. So
0: I you know, I, I wouldn't put it past her to, to, to go snag a great guy. Well, and I got to hand it to Intercom. I've done this uh, in New York and now in Boston. Uh, it's very seldom that we've ever seen programming people moved into the market manager or the general manager role. Those almost always come out of sales. So it's nice to see that Intercom is really putting some real validity in that because I think having that balance is going to be really important going forward. So we wish Tim lots lots of luck. Okay, I'm I've got my Gavetch now. It's it's Gavetch time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what's under what's what's the burr under your saddle this week? Well, it's those fine people at Global Music. This is a private company that arbitrarily decided to about. Four or five years ago started billing radio stations for music they claim to license. Okay, so in addition to BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, Soundstream, along comes Global Music who says, Oh, we've got the rights to a batch of music you're playing. To which you turn around and say to them, Great, I'm happy to pay you for anything that we're playing. What's in your library that we're playing? Oh, we're not gonna tell you. You're not gonna tell us? No, we're not gonna tell you. We don't release that information, but you owe us a couple of thousand dollars a month or whatever the figure is. And the the figure is not inexpensive. The figure, as I recall, was uh, at least as much as BMI and ASCAP charge. And BMI and ASCAP obviously have the majority of the music licensing. So the truth of it is, is that uh, Irving Azoff started this company and he's on the board at iHeart. So he got iHeart to sign up for it first. And as you pointed out, iHeart is the whale and the rest of the the pilot fish come along the side and we're doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing now with global music. And these guys, I don't mind paying the license fees for anybody, but men, when they won't tell you what it is you're playing and why you have to license it for it. i It's just, you know, you're buying an unknown product and I consider it robbery. And then on top of everything else, What do we have in 2020? We have a. As we started this discussion, we talked about a 20% drop off in sales volume for for iHeart and really for the industry. The industry is off 20%. Global Media must have really liked that figure because they came in and said, "Tell you what, we're going to bump our fee to you by 20%." (laughs) So, you know, it's it it just never ends. And do I consider them bandits, thugs, and mafia guys? Yeah. I do. I think they are. Okay. I feel better. I really, you know.
1: <laughs> well, well, so it just, it just begs for, for somebody to go time out. Um, you show me what songs you have the rights to that I played and I, and I can cross-reference to see how many times I played those songs and then I'll pay. Otherwise, I, you know, take, shove it. I'm not paying
0: Well, the RMLC, there's a record music licensing group that uh, is operated by some radio. uh, It was basically a nonprofit contributed to by radio stations. Ed Christian at SAGA is the one who is running it. And uh, they have taken uh, Global to Court, but but the Court keeps getting delayed because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and some other song and dance. It's very complex. It's way over my head legally. All I know is that I, you know, talk about being politically insensitive and having tone deafness to come in and start nailing the radio business for a 20% increase in a year when they've had a 20% decline in revenue. And that's average. I know stations yeah. that have had a 50% decline in revenue. You know, I just, it just doesn't go. So that's my Gavetch. You got one before we get out of here? <laughs> No, you, you know, you, you got all the kvetch time this week. I'll work on one for next week, but uh, it's always good to see you and uh, hope, hope you have a great week. Thanks again. Don't forget uh, Media Insultant uh, is a podcast now also that you can find on any of the platforms. And we encourage you to listen to that if you don't want to watch our smiling mugs up here. And Keith, have a good week. Good to see you. Jackson, all, all the best. And, uh, and to all of you out there in media land, hang in there.